Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing the Library of Babel. Does it exist? And if so, how big is it? you can start us off by just give us a little bit of background um tell us what the library of babel is yeah sure well the library of babel is a story which we've talked about in a previous podcast where we talked about borges uh, who who wrote the story um and we talked in a bit more general terms about what the story is really about and uh, and uh, you know what what it means um Whereas th- this time we're just going to look a bit more at the the sort of maths and engineering side of the Library of Babel. Um, the the story, the Library of Babel, is a it describes a library, a vast a library of unimaginable vastness, which contains um, lots of rooms joined to one another, uh, each of which contains um, six hundred and forty books, and each of these books has uh, has four hundred and ten pages. Each of those pages has forty lines in it. Uh, and each line has 80 characters mm. and every single possible combination of characters um, is out there in the in the library so the mm. library is a complete set of uh, every single possible combination of letters so somewhere out there is a book which just consists of uh, the letter a repeated um, there there is uh, out there a book which is entirely blank there, there's another book which has the letter a repeated all the way to the last character and then you get a b there's a book out there which uh, you know contains all the football results of uh, of the 2015-16 premier season there's there's one out there which describes perfectly describes your uh, you know your your uh, biography there's one out there which you know so basically every single possible combination of, of lessons out there and um something we we t- talked about but didn't didn't precisely calculate last time is how big mm. the library actually is mm. and uh, if you I, I sort of glibly said if every if every atom uh in the universe was a book in the library of babel uh you would need a google universes well i was i was off it's massively bigger than that you would need was, a what was, universes sorry a google would... a google universe a google is one with 100 noughts and um and it, it that is way off but essentially there it is the number of um the number of uh books is about one with with about two million zeros following after it um that's that's how many books there are. If you, so if you ask the question of how many rooms there are, it's not that different. It's that number divided by six hundred and forty. Uh, so again, about it's one with, you know, uh, two roughly two million zeros at the end. So uh, I mean, this is this is a number which um, you know is is just of st- staggering vast, incomprehensibly vast for, for all intents and purposes. And uh, the reason we wanted to bring it up again is because Peter and I were talking about well, let's say you wanted to kind of build the library let's actually do it yeah 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 how would you what would you what would you do okay so sorry just one thing i want to double check there so are we saying or are you saying the this book um if each page or each book i forget which was an atom in the universe are we from what we know about the universe we're saying actually it's bigger than any universe that we think could exist. Yeah, look, I mean, or, I mean, the number yeah, of atoms in the universe is roughly right. I don't know. I mean, people have slightly varied estimates, but roughly one with 
uh, uh, 80, 80 zeros, okay. possibly one one with you know let's say, let's say roughly one with about a hundred zeros. Um, that that's uh, now when you're talking about the numbers of zeros, yeah. roughly has to be caveated a lot here, right? Mm. If I say uh, you know roughly one with a hundred zeros. If it's one with 98 zeros, right, it kind of sounds similar. That's 100 times smaller than one with 100 zeros. Right? So when you're talking about numbers of zeros, the differences are vast. So, uh, but, you know, so we've got to caveat that. It's not like, oh, it's kind of somewhere around there. We're talking about things, you know, every zero you add is, is multiplying something by 10. This is why, you know, one with two million zeros is just, it's a number just beyond the comprehension of... Uh, okay. So therefore... This sort of begs the question is why would one imagine that you could actually uh, build the Library of Babel? Over to you, our engineer, Peter. <laughs> so it's, I think it's probably clear that uh, we couldn't repurpose all the matter in, in the universe to form this library. They just, well, there wouldn't be enough of it to start with. And if we did manage to tap into other universes and steal all their matter, we'd, we'd still struggle, right? So even with hugely vast technology, it would be it would a seem a bit pointless and b probably be impossible but that's not to say that we couldn't generate some sort of algorithm that that calculates on the fly parts of the library for you so you could have uh, you could simulate the 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 library in some way so if you would specify uh, a a room a bookshelf a book uh, then it would tell you what was in that book it would it could generate that book on the fly for you um uh, and there, there, there are there, there are bound to be mathematical algorithms that can be employed. But a, a simple one to imagine would just be a random number generator that just randomly generates that that book for you, and then checks whether or not it's already generated that book. If it has, just generate a new one and present that, and then remember where that book was. Um, and that would be a brute force, simplistic way of doing it, because your the, the the Library of Babel doesn't specify as described by Borges, any particular order of books. So it doesn't matter if they're presented randomly to you. Now, he does, though, allude to the potential for another degree of magnitude, which the order of, order of books does matter, and the, the main protagonist sort of, sort of explores this idea, in which case, um, I... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think then it does become an infinite library because your patterns become infinitely complex and you have to then sort of practically spiral out in more and more complex patterns uh, and you end up taking up an infinite amount of space. No, I mean, I, I don't think, I'm not sure. I mean, if there's, let's, we've got our one, let's say we had our one with two million noughts, uh, let's call that a Babel, right? We've got a Babel of books mm. and, um, and each one of those can be in each of a Babel positions, right? So we, we, we could we could have, there's one ordering in which uh, the books are start from all blanks, the, and then the next one is all blanks with an A at the end. Mm. The next one is all blanks with a B at the end. And and you could order them like that in a way that we might think of as fairly sensible. Um, and then, then you could, uh, you know, it'd be easy, you'd know where to, where to go, roughly which direction to go in to find something. There, there's, but, but the point is that there is still a finite number of potential orderings for any given potential arrangement. Um, and here we go. Yeah, I mean, you might, you therefore have, uh, if you think about, you're zooming out again another level, and you might think of each particular book, right, as being like a letter in yeah. another bigger library, right? So. But there is still only a finite number of potential orderings of those books. Now, it's bigger by 
vastly bigger than the number of books. It's vastly bigger than a Babel, um, <laughs> this number. So, it, so it's, but, but the point is that there is still a finite number of potential orderings. If you wanted to have a, uh, a, a library of libraries of Babel, where every, on every bookshelf there was a separate library of Babel and within each of those libraries there was a different ordering of books. Um, you're presented with the same problem, but just at a bigger scale. Uh, but, uh, but, but anyway, the question is why, why we would want to know that. Yeah. And, and, but also, just go back to this question of like how Peter's... See, I, I know this is one reason we were discussing is I, I took issue with Peter's characterization of one way you could do it. I think it's a typical engineer's way of doing it, right? Which is kind of yeah. this will, de- his approach will definitely work. Yeah. But uh, there is, and we should say at this point, there is a website, a very clever website, which actually does this. And we were debating whether or not it was going to, what it would do is randomly generate and then cache uh, the, uh, the, the, the books on the fly. And I said, well, no, you could, you could do it with a deterministic algorithm. So you could say for any given bit of text, mm. you could say whereabouts, you know, you could, you could you could say well you know here's here's a book with that text in right if i if you complete and if you were to completely specify uh a a book that completely give me the you know the the uh, 410 pages of text um then you could you could get an algorithm which would turn that into a number mm. uh, and a location within the library do you sort of mean so so <laughs> okay so so the point but the point is that what I'm saying is, the that is a very small program, right? Okay. It's a bit like I mean, so because because every combination is in the Library of Babel, and in that sense, like it doesn't actually contain any information. The Library of Babel contains no information. So it, the question is, when those librarians are going around looking for combinations of letters, um, why should? they would never be surprised in that sense like you know that in there somewhere is any given set of text right mm. so you know what are you learning when you find a book with some things in it i i don't know the answer but but okay sorry let's just get it back to the question at the beginning right which was um does it exist and if so how big is it i can answer that for you right um does it exist no it doesn't that's the end of the question. That's the answer. <laughs> so, so, but 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 if we do want to complicate it, I will only be prepared to complicate it to this extent, right? Which is, does it exist? Maybe. Um, and if so, how big it is? Is it? I don't know, but probably very big. Okay. In fact, no, definitely very big. And I don't know. That's as far as I get, guys. Why? What are you doing, sitting? Wait, sorry, hold. What are you two doing, sitting around discussing, for God's sake, about oh, does it really exist? So I take issue with. I mean, where do you guys get this stuff? Okay, about? okay. Look, there's there's a there's a concept uh, called Kolmogorov complexity, right? Which is a way of trying to describe the complexity of an al- of an algorithm. So there's one way of looking at it. Well, let's let me get say I, I give you a string of hundred ones, and I say look. I, Tell, give me an algorithm which generates that. Well, it's easy, isn't it? Just print one, you know, a hundred times. You can, you could, okay, likewise, can do, if I give I you a string that. of zeros, same, yeah. same deal, right? Now, if, if, uh, if I give you some completely random set of ones and zeros, there may be no way of expressing that in anything smaller than the string of ones and zeros I've just given you. It might be that that's the 
best way, the, the, the shortest way of describing it. And this is, it's not just this, now this sounds ridiculous and abstract, right? But actually that's fundamental to compression, which is fundamental to the functioning of the internet, right? The fact that you can, the, the fact that there are ways of compressing strings of data into smaller, into programs that are themselves smaller or bits of data that are smaller than those original strings of data is absolutely vital. The, the thing is that I'm, what I'm saying, I think what we're saying is you can compress the Library of Babel into something absolutely minuscule. You could get the Library of Babel into a text file, right? Um, despite the fact that it's it requires one one to the 10 to the power of 2 million universes okay. uh, to, to actually build. Before we wrap up, wrap up, is there anything you want to add? Okay, everyone's looking blank. Okay, so look... Whenever I edit our podcasts, I obviously a part of that process is I always listen back to them. I go, oh, that's interesting. Or I should have said this. Or I have no idea what we've just been talking about for the last 10 or 15 <laughs> minutes. I have no idea. And what intrigues me is is one, whether people listening know what you're talking about. I, I don't know if they're, or if they're like me. I don't know. Uh, but also what intrigues me is too when I'm listening back to it well I suddenly you know there'll be a moment of epiphany and I'll go oh okay that's what they were talking about so uh, look I mean uh, make this accessible for me you know what an mp3 is right you've heard yeah, of that you I know have. it's a kind of music file correct yeah an mp3 is very small typically of a pop song it might be four megabytes or something yeah. right four four billion yeah, bits right. of data right that's that's really quite small i mean it relies on the fact that you can take a piece of essentially sound and and make the amount of data small by relying on tricks such as saying okay well here we've got this isn't actually how it works but roughly okay we've got 10 seconds of silence here mm. so instead of actually recording having a huge string of zeros we're just going to say repeat zero you know ten thousand times or whatever that's that's so that's how we compress data right compression algorithms do, essentially do that they find patterns in the data and and therefore shrink the size of the amount of information you need. now uh the point about the the point about the library of babel is that it's uh, given given its size surprisingly totally compressible in the same way that if i asked you to list if I if I said well I I want I've got a specific number in mind you know one million nine hundred thousand two hundred fifty you, you know there's that specific number can't can't be compressed into anything other than itself but yeah. if I said every, if I said I want every number from naught to twenty million that's that can be compressed into something very small because it's just a recipe for producing numbers and the recipe for producing the Library of Babel is tiny compared to the Library of Babel itself. Okay, <laughs> Let, let's stop there. Um, I'm just slightly concerned that you sit around talking about this sort of stuff. But, um, you know, um, I, I guess that's what you're sort of paid to do. That's that's your job, right? That's that's what you guys do. No, we're definitely not paid to talk about this kind of thing. <laughs> we do that for fun. Oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, let's stop there. Um, chaps thank you very much I'm mystified to be honest as to, I'm in the same position as I was 15 minutes ago so um, thank you very much thank you as always for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast uh, with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill and until next time goodbye